When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while powering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And this week, it feels like our whole episode is a lot of silly fangirl nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, it really does. It's very niche pop culture news. When we started thinking about what we were going to be talking this week on the podcast, we were kind of like, what the heck happened? I feel like pop culture was really slow this week. I feel like everybody was like, it's the end of summer. We're taking it easy. Yeah, it is. But you know, even with that, we do have some petty gossip. We have some conspiracy theories and we have some blind items. So really, if you break it down, even though it's all niche to us, there's a lot to go through. So we're starting the episode off with some drama between Charlie XCX and Rina Sawayama and that some eagle-eyed fans noticed that Charlie had unfollowed Rina on Instagram and everybody's like, what the heck is the beef? We have no real answers for you. We're just gossiping about this. Just some fun gossip. (laughs) just gossip and theorizing and then we are getting into more drama which involves olivia rodrigo being asked about her the copyright issues that happened on her first album sour with paramore and taylor swift getting added with songwriting credits retrospectively and laura snapes for the guardian did a really great interview with olivia talking about all of this and including asking her about whether or not vampire was about taylor swift because those fans are creating conspiracy theories because if Taylor Swift fans are going to do anything. They're going to conspirize. And in breaking news of this recording, because we did record this on Sunday, Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner are allegedly heading to divorce. TMZ broke the news on the morning of Sunday, September 3rd. It was confirmed by people a couple of hours later. So we are going into a discussion about the way in which this news broke how sources are involved, how blind items are involved, and what we're expecting for the news cycle to come in regards to discussing this divorce, breakup, etc. So we have a big episode today. Again, very niche to us, pop culture news. But at the end of the day, niche to us is perfect for us because everybody's (laughs) going to care about every single thing we're talking about today. And I love when that happens. (laughs) If you want to see timestamps for this, we'll have it on our Instagram stories and highlights. And with all that being said, it's time for some fangirl nonsense. And I am very, 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 very excited to share this with you guys (laughs) because there is something that is happening in the world of reality TV and girl groups, that is the perfect combination of mine and Sarah's personalities, <laughs> interests, hopes, and dreams. And I can't believe we get to share this gift together and with you I guys. Know, I know. So recently it was announced that Hybe and Geffen Records are working together to create a K-pop girl group. but through A global a competition- girl group yes. with a K-pop methodology. It's all girls from all over the world and they're competing to be in this k-pop style girl group on a reality tv show and for me who is a super fan of reality tv shows and girl groups and also like used to watch making the band on mtv like this is truly a dream come true but also i just think it's going to be really cool because 
Okay, to be fair, when I saw this, like we were we did a story about it at work and then Jenna texted me about it. And then our conversation went as follows. I can't believe that each country is sending their strongest. (laughs) Strongest. And I was like, this is not the Hunger Games. Like, this is not the Olympics. I was like, I I knew it wasn't. But my brain or like my brain could compute was like, it's the Olympics. It is not your power. It's the most powerful. It's not Eurovision. Like. I was like, the country is nominated. To make one super group to end them all. (laughs) To create world peace. Oh my god. No, that's not how it worked, unfortunately. The guy from Hybe, when they were talking, he did liken it to the Olympics. So I wasn't being that unhinged about it. The point is that a lot of people applied. It was all auditions and applications. And Mm -hmm. they've been going through the process of kind of like narrowing down the contestants over the past two years, which is interesting because I like remember this being announced and then it just kind of like they've been doing all the behind the scenes stuff. So it kind of went away for a minute. And it was interesting that they finally announced it with this very cinematic trailer. So they've narrowed it down to 20 contestants from all over, from the US, from Europe, uh, South America, uh, Asia, various different countries will be competing in the next 12 weeks in which they're going to have three missions and so each week they're kind of going to roll out an episode which will be like relatively in like live time I think and it's kind of like I what I imagine to be similar to how Hybe did Island which is produced the group and Hypen in which like some of it's kind of like pre-recorded stuff but like you get to vote like the fans and viewers get to vote and then they're gonna have a live finale in like mid-november and part of the lineup of this group will be chosen through fan vote which is also how they did in hypen and i don't think they've announced yet how many spots there are going to be in the final lineup so like it could be seven it could be nine i'm guessing it's probably gonna be one of those numbers it's probably gonna be seven so yeah i think this is this is very fascinating i mean i think it's very much giving america's next top model which i am also obsessed with and also the trailer for this which like will be linked in our show notes for you guys to go check out because it's very high quality like it looks it looks like a cinematic masterpiece rather than a reality tv show which i think is quite cool but i was watching and i was like oh it's fame which like for those of you who don't know i think it was also a tv show but it was like a 1980s musical movie about these kids who went to i think laguardia high school in new york city which is a you know performing arts high school that you have to audition for you can possibly study like all three things to be like a triple threat like acting singing and dancing but everybody's kind of like one category and it feels very similar i'm just trying to like i don't know make people who also aren't into k-pop understand like why this is so exciting and so cool because of all these other things that we have seen before and are used to and how similar yet different this is going to be but also just like from all of our k-pop conversations that we've had on the podcast like i'm really excited to get to see like how this process works and how and if they like shift the k-pop method to fit more western standards because a lot of the show is taking place in hollywood yeah so i'm very interested to see how this goes 
because like the last time America really had like a big time girl group was obviously Fifth Harmony and they were put together on America's Got Talent, but like not on purpose. Like it just happens. Like they, the girls didn't know going in that they were going to be part yeah. of the girl group. Whereas the people who applied for this very much knew they were going in to form a girl group that isn't within the K-pop model. I think they'll probably be singing mostly in English, but I'm sure that they'll bring in like all of their languages because there's so many people from so many different diverse mm-hmm. backgrounds. I don't think it's going to be like, it's not going to sound like a k-pop group but i am really interested to see how the competition itself goes just given what i've seen of like the k-pop industry and what i saw through like island which again was the boy group contest show that hybe did in 2020 because there are certain like criteria that they expect their performers to be at and i think hybe is one of the companies that has really 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 high standards for its trainees Mm. and so i'm interested to see how that plays out with the western audience in it and again because like there's like i think maybe five out of the 20 girls are from america which i think is really interesting and it's going to be mostly taking place in hollywood they are going to fly them to seoul for like one of the missions which is really interesting but it's like in the first they already gave them like their first assignment which is like there's going to be two dance groups and two vocal groups and i think the two dance groups were assigned k-pop routines and then the two vocal groups were assigned like western songs so i'm just very curious like how much k-pop they like put into it especially because of like to a not also this is going to be like premiered on youtube like it's not like it's going to be airing on abc or like a cable network so like the people who are going to be watching this are mostly going to be generally fans of k-pop like that's kind of the target audience already because those are the people who who are tuned into what hybe is doing i don't think anyone like follows geffen closely enough to be like oh my god geffen's debuting a girl group so given that i think k-pop fans have a certain expectation versus like what i was gonna say is that the general public is oh it's very like oh k-pop's like too rigid k-pop's too like boot camp whatever but now that i like say it like that the general public audience isn't really even going to be the primary demographic for this and i mean the other interesting thing to me also is is that the contestants range in age from like 15 to 21 and like jenna said they come from all different countries and backgrounds but on top of that also like usually from what I've learned from talking to Jenna about K-pop and everything like these kids start at K-pop boot camps as kids and they come from nothing and nobody knows who they are and they're kind of like blank slates to be created onto. Whereas some of the contestants on the show are already like internet personalities. Yeah. And I'm really curious to see, especially because of your point of being like, this isn't going to really be catering as much to like general population, reality TV consumers and more so K-pop fans and maybe just like pop culture heads like me being intrigued by this and tuning in. So I'm, I'm going to be really curious how number one, like, fans of k-pop react to the fact that these people already have followers that might not be involved in like the k-pop bubble and come from like a different kind of background but also like how that maybe shifts the dynamic between the girls competing because some of them already have a sense of some sort of fame whereas others may not yeah i completely agree some of them have like several millions of followers on tiktok like it's actually crazy i was like looking at some of the girls profiles either they're dancers or they're singers and they've been doing covers so some of the girls like are already known and i do find this very interesting because for the most part in k-pop you don't know about their background unless they've done like modeling before or unless they did like a competition show before and this is like their second competition show or anything like that Mm -hmm. you generally just like don't know about them you don't know about their personal lives you don't know about their social media and 
so I'm really curious how this is going to play out, but also like both within dynamics of the show, but also within the dynamic of like the group itself and how fans interact with that. Because Sarah and I have like had some of these conversations before of like, there's a difference between celebrity and influencer and the Mm. primary difference is that influencers have to give away a lot of their personal lives on a daily basis in order to achieve that and and maintain that influencer status whereas Mm -hmm. celebrities are celebrities because they're known for something whether it's acting or music or like the kardashians like empire (laughs) you know we're like obviously we know a lot about the kardashians but like they don't have to vlog their daily lives in order for us to like know and like them and there's a certain like mystique around them that like makes them unattainable and puts them on this pedestal and k-pop idols similarly have that because even once they debut as idols like we don't know a lot about their personal lives we know like what they choose to tell us when they're like doing live streams but they're not like over here like so like to a certain degree like sometimes yes but it's just so it's just so different because like they have like for example like hybe uses this platform called weverse where like you go on there and it's basically like a bulletin board where like the artists can post about their day sometimes mm-hmm. they're like I'm eating ramen or like I just worked out but it's like that's so different than like watching a TikToker or like watching like somebody dance on TikTok or watching them get a do a get ready with me and like I think a certain peel of k-pop and of the idol system is that there is this mystery to them and in that regard there's also this fantasy to it of like this yeah. idol is supposed to be like quote-unquote a perfect person and like some idols like fit fit into more of this like slate more than others i think of being this ideal person and this ideal boyfriend or this ideal person to look up to or like a friend or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of the fantasy of it of enjoying k-pop is like there is this layer of you can project onto it what you want to and that's so so different from how every single western artist operates yeah and i feel like also on top of that it's like we are so used to at this point like having complete access to our celebrities and like but again it's weird because like i feel like really a-listers like we see their like instagram grid posts like they post on their stories sometimes whatever like there's a little bit more mystery to them but it's still not like what it once was like prior to the internet and tabloids you know especially when it comes to music a lot of our musician the musicians that we love are like very active on social media very active on their instagram stories or tiktok or what have you and like we see them doing things like having hissy fits like halsey did when she was like i want to release this single on my whatever this is so stupid that i have to make tiktoks I understand it and I understand that this is the world we live in now, but it's weird that like we can get the ick from our fave. It's weird that we, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's weird that we have that ability. And in K-pop, mostly you can't really do that. Although your boy who's always doing his weird boyfriend POV from bed thing, I think I would get the (laughs) ick. I think I would get the ick from that. (laughs) That's very much like giving me the ick. But I feel like mostly in K-pop, the whole point of it is that they're supposed to be perfect. Like you've said multiple times, like they're supposed to be your ideal boyfriend or ideal girlfriend or whatever. Like you're supposed to be able to build them up in a very idealistic way. And so I think it's interesting that these girls have digital footprints because we don't really live in a world with mysticism anymore. And I think like the closest we have to it is like Harry Styles and like Logan Lerman, just thinking of like our generation, like Gen Z millennials of like who we care about and what we get and who we do and don't like know that much about. And it's like, like we joked about last week, it's like we're breadcrumbed like teasers of Logan Lerman from his girlfriend because you know, he, 
you know, <laughs> he's just Logan Lerman doing his thing. And then Harry Styles, it's like, yeah, we'll get paparazzi photos of him. We get interviews. But like when he's not on tour, we don't really hear from him or see him. He's not super active on social media. Everybody absolutely loses their mind when we get a new behind the scenes photo from one of his photographers from tour. And like recently I went to this photo exhibition of this very famous British photographer called Terry O'Neill who used to tour with Elton John and he worked at the Rolling Stones and he worked with the Beatles and he also like shot with Brigitte Bardot a lot. And it was, I sent Jenna this like, honestly, it was kind of embarrassing. I sent her a very emotional voice note about pop culture (laughs) where I just was like, it's so cool being here because nobody will ever be famous like this ever again. But I feel like Harry Styles is the closest we have to it. We're like going to a museum and seeing a photo exhibition of photos of Harry Styles where you see the famous frame and then you see the outtakes, which is like what I got to see there. Like they had his contact sheets. It was so crazy because all of a sudden in this moment that felt like a moment I would never have any context to suddenly I had context to it. And these are photos I've been looking at like my whole life. And it's crazy. And I and the and I just feel like in comparison, like with K-pop, like I don't think we would it's ever the mysteriousness have, yeah. of it. Yeah. And so the fact that like these girls are coming in with a digital footprint with some people online knowing who they are, that takes away the mystery. And I wonder if that's going to not only, like I said, change the dynamic between the girls, but like if any of them wind up in the group how much the group will be able to partake in the K-pop model when somebody has already been so online and so accessible to people. I'm interested what's going to happen after debut because I'm sure after debut, it will be a lot more like general public appeal. I just don't Mm. know that general public's going to care about the competition, but then there'll be like global because then they're going to make a big deal about like, oh my God, a global girl group. This is crazy. Like then it's just general pop culture information. It will be interesting to see like, do those girls still get to keep their TikToks? Like, are they going to be monitored? Is there certain things they're not going to be allowed to talk about? I don't know because K-pop is just so precise and like specific in the way that they run. So I'm like very fascinated to see how this plays out. I'm just like really excited to see it I'm, I'm just so excited like this is why even though we're having a serious conversation this belongs in the fangirl nonsense sector because it just feels like something jenna and i are going to be text screaming about because <laughs> of just like all of the aspects of it <laughs> that are things to like text scream about yeah also like when i watched island like that competition show was so intense like the boys were like literal teens crying on camera. And I was like, this is scary. Like, I can't believe they're doing this. So we'll see what happens with this <laughs> with this competition show. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting, especially because it seems like there's a lot of American financial backing behind it. So I wonder like how Western reality TV it's going to be. Yeah. Me too, me too. So yeah, you can definitely expect to hear more from us talking about this in the coming weeks. If you guys are interested, come hit us up on DMs and talk more. But I also wanted to give another little story of like a fangirl nonsense crossing the line, also related to K-pop, in which recently KCON was held in Los Angeles, like two weekends ago, I think. And at first I just saw this on Twitter and it was blowing up on Twitter. A bunch of K-pop groups came over for KCON and they're performing. One of the groups is NCT. They're a really big group out of SM Entertainment. And there was this video that appeared online of a quote unquote fan in one of the members' hotel rooms and was like videoing, like taking video footage of this guy, Jay Hun's like hotel room, like his belongings, like his like uniforms, like all this stuff. 
and was just like, oh my God, like I'm in his hotel room. Like, look at this, look at this, look at this. Oh my God, this is so crazy. Like, assumably like while he was out like at KCON or whatever, he was out of his hotel room. Crazy, crazy. Like literally Mm. the internet was like, what the fuck are you doing? This is insane. Like this is stalker behavior. This is not okay. The internet was trying to cancel her. This girl's like, haha, whatever, silly goofy time. So yeah, it kind of became a thing like over like a few days time of like just like seeing more and more things. Cause a girl on the internet was like, haha, like I'm, I'm so cool. Like I did this thing, whatever. Everyone was like, no, SM Entertainment is going to come for your ass in which they did. And they posted a statement. So this is a thing about K-pop and like stalkers and in K-pop, they call them sassangs, but they take this very seriously just because of like, they take idols privacy very seriously. So SM Entertainment like literally released an, a statement saying that the leaked video is an illegal act that severely violates the artist's privacy. We are collecting evidence against the initial uploader and all those who distribute the video. We will request the cooperation of domestic and international sites as well as legal firms to ensure a thorough investigation is conducted by law enforcement agencies. I mean, valid in like 2021 we did a deep dive episode of the podcast called when idolization goes too far where we talked about like selena and john lennon and a couple of other musicians where like their fans killed them stalked them taylor swift was also in the involved in the episode because she had a stalker for a while and so like this is something that's very serious if you want to go listen to that episode about like what happens when fangirls go a little bit too crazy and don't know how to ethically be fangirls definitely check that out but i mean like when you told me about this i was like oh this feels like stuff that happens here but is never taken seriously until it's like really too late and but also at first i was a little bit confused because i thought like oh something happened that shouldn't have happened but she literally just like stuck into his hotel room and i was like oh it's like that justin bieber girl who posted videos and photos from after they maybe hooked up in his hotel room and jenna's like no she literally like no. stole a house cleaner's room key for the <laughs> it's yeah. like broken yeah yeah i just think this is very interesting also because like sarah said if things like this happen in with like Western artists, we just like don't usually hear about any follow up. But K-pop is like very serious about taking legal action against this stuff. So like I don't know why this girl thought she would just like get off like without anything happening to her. But it is also funny because I guess also maybe she goes to University of Michigan because she like posted on Twitter that she enrolled her case in like the university of michigan like student like law services and then everyone was like joking on twitter of like university of michigan law students like walking up to class on the first day like finding out they have to face sm entertainment which (laughs) i don't think that's like exactly how that scenario works out but it was very funny on twitter but also she like was on her own accord outing her identity which i thought was also just like so unhinged yeah because i'm like girly like you could have been anonymous so not (laughs) smart all of it all of it bad decisions not smart so obviously that's not actually silly goofy it's very serious but it feels a little silly goofy of that girl to just be like posting about it online like that but more online silly goofiness in news because this week was kind of a weird one in regards to pop culture we had a bunch of like little things very niche pop culture (laughs) very niche pop culture week It really was, though. Like, everything that was relevant, I was like, this is so niche. Thank God it's niche to specifically our podcast. Because <laughs> it really is. It really is. Oh, my God. Like, everything yeah. that was happening, I was like, perfect for us, not for anybody yeah. else. <laughs> because we had a whole 
possible friendship breakup over the week with Charlie XCX and Rina Sawayama because some fans noticed that Charlie was no longer following Rina on Instagram and people were like screenshotting the like fact that they weren't follow that they weren't following each other anymore and it's like oh no the girls are fighting um there were a lot of TikToks about it and a lot of people on TikTok siding with Rena because people were like, oh, this oh, must be, um, yeah, it must be a Maddie yeah. Healy issue. Also, quick recap, if you don't know what we're talking about, the Maddie Healy issue, over the summer, Rena was at two different festivals in which she called out Maddie Healy on stage, one for like microaggression comments on that Adam Friedland show podcast like earlier this year, and also for like literally never apologizing for anything in his life. Yeah. Very powerful statements made from Rena, big support. But the connection here is that Charlie is dating George Daniels, who is the drummer of the 1975, and Rena and Charlie were seen like having a good time. They were photographed together together at the Brits this past year, along with the 1975 boys. So like all this very close friend circle dynamics. Well, also Rena's been featured on one of Charlie's songs before or vice versa. Like yeah, they've worked together you. as yeah. well. And like they have a pretty long internet footprint of being good friends. And so it definitely felt a little bit shady and weird. And so it was like a couple of days that went by of like the fans being aware of this and gossiping and coming up with ideas of like what it could possibly be. And then Charlie, after this was like happening, just tweeted messy era, which fueled all of the rumors and people were like losing their minds about it. And they're like, oh my God, what the heck is happening? And then on August 30th, Charlie went back on Twitter and tweeted, look, this all got a bit crazy. Me and Rena spoke about things on the phone just now. My unfollowing which happened a couple of weeks ago, was over a personal disagreement between friends, which we've now spoken about. Heart emoji. And then she added, anyways, stream beg for you, which was a song, as Jenna said, that Rena and Charlie do together. Jenna, I've never unfollowed you when we've argued about anything. <laughs> a personal disagreement between friends? Like, that is... The only time a, a personal disagreement between friends has led me to unfollow someone is when we literally had a friend break up because it was yeah. so bad. But also like celebrity, I don't know, but also like celebrities are weird about who they follow and don't. So I'm like, but also like if they're fr- like, if they are friends, like what you would have no reason to unfollow your celebrity friend. So I'm like, are they still friends? This is like even more un- unanswered questions. Like I feel like she should have just said nothing at all. Yeah. And it's even weird where she's like, we literally just got off the phone. And it's like, okay, but you didn't say, like, we got off the phone and, like, everything's chill now. Like, there's nothing of that. Like, she literally is just saying, like, oh, we talked, but gave no clarification of if they're okay or if they're just, like, dealing with some stuff, anything like that. She literally is just like, I've never just, like, unfollowed somebody casually. Yeah, exactly. There's no real draw, like, takeaway here or conclusion or, like, smart hypothesis. It's all just gossip. It's all just... We had to talk about this because it's hot gossip. Literally, though. It's like you're the cool cool girls at school did something wild and we had to talk about it with our friends because it's like, this is unhinged behavior. I don't think we're going to get any more details, but, like... I don't think so. I mean, honestly, like, it'll be interesting just outside of this to see if maybe Rena tries to leave Dirty Hit. Yeah, true. Like, that's what I'm most intrigued to see, because if it is in regards to the Maddie Healy of it all, this might be, like, a bigger situation than we realize. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, we're all just speculating, because this is all we know, but, like... 
Because I'm just, like, imagining, like, this is thing of if your bestie was, like, dating someone whose besties was somebody who, like, is a dumbass, but, like, also in a way that, like, is negatively affects people, I feel like you would be mad about it, too. We literally talked about this, I think, yeah. in the Maddie yeah. Healy episodes about how, like, in real life, if we had friends whose boyfriends were, like, constantly being racist and horrible people, we'd be like, why are you not breaking up with them? I cannot hang out with you when he's around. Yeah. And, like, could potentially end a friendship for both of us because, like, we are very strong in our convictions on things. So, I don't know. But, I mean, also just, like, in a lot of Rena's comments, it will be interesting to see if she's, like, trying to leave and if that would also cause issue between her and Charlie because George also owns a portion of Dirty Hit. True. Very true. And other pop girlies fighting not fighting the internet pretending that they're fighting news olivia rodrigo was specifically asked about the situation with giving song credits to taylor swift and paramore so i'm gonna let sarah give some of the details yeah so laura snapes one of our favorite journalists as you guys know if you've been listening along for some interviewed olivia rodrigo for the guardian and it's a really really good like long read interview as per all of laura's interviews are but for some background context when vampire by olivia rodrigo came out obviously at first the whole internet is trying to figure out like which of the two kind of gross men that she dated was the song about whether it was adam phase or zach bia who they literally could be interchangeable they are the same person they're the same person (laughs) who knows um who cares they're both like older guys who have like Okay, they're like four years older, like four to six years older. They're not like, (laughs) they're not in their 30s or 40s. Yeah, it's not that crazy of an age gap, but because she was like 19, 18, 19 at the time, and they were like four years older, it definitely is weird because, you know, it's like very different parts of life and like unnecessary, but also... I think specifically Adam Faze was who everybody was like honing in on. He has done this before where he dated Madison quote, unquote, much younger. Yeah, he dated Madison Beer. So there was like a lot of discourse online about like which one of these two seemingly icky dudes was Vampire about. But there was a separate sector of the internet who was like a third no. plot line appeared. <laughs> literally no vampire is clearly about her feud with taylor swift and i'm sorry the song is very clearly about somebody that she has slept with but they were saying like the lyrics in the song of like fame fucker and bleeding me dry like a goddamn vampire and so like they're saying that a lot of these lyrics could also harken back to an older person in the industry taking advantage of the fact that like you are a fan and were inspired by their music and then bleed you dry for your money. Which, like, out of all of the Taylor Swift conspiracy theories, (laughs) I'm like, okay, I can kind of see the artistic vision here. But the song is very clearly about a relationship and not about this other situation. So that's like some background context (laughs) just in regards to this internet conspiracy theory. And so the two main takeaways that I got from this Olivia Rodrigo interview was, as Jenna already mentioned, it was brought up about the whole like copyright issue because so many people online, which we also talked about in an episode of people like harassing Olivia Rodrigo for interpolating songs. And being like, no, she ripped them off. She stole this song. It's like, okay, every Green Day song is power chords. Any song that is also power chords is then a Green Day song? Question mark. Like, I don't understand. But so 
Laura writes in this article, also the antithesis of creativity, the current climate where inspiration can quickly become a copyright issue. Sauer was plagued by it. After listeners noted similarities between Rodrigo's song Deja Vu and ecstatic skewering of her ex for rehashing their favorite pastimes with his new girlfriend and Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer, as well as between her Good For You and Paramore's Misery Business, Rodrigo ended up giving both acts, so both Paramore and Taylor Swift, 50% of the credits and royalties for the respective tracks. And this is interesting because Haley Williams had also like tweeted and responded to the fact that she thought it was really cool that Olivia was very inspired by them and that she felt like, I think she said that she felt like it was an interpolation. The problem with the Paramore thing is Josh Farrow. So Josh Farrow, who's no longer in Paramore, but has writing credits for Misery Business because he was in the band when it started, who is like a racist, homophobe, bad man. Um, he was oh. the one who was like, no, we are going to go after Olivia or like, I'm going to go after Olivia. So he is why Paramore got 50%. Whereas the Taylor Swift situation, Taylor Swift is girl bossing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Taylor our Swift cap- is. Uh, she's being our capitalist queen again. She's capitalizing as a queen does. But it is interesting because the internet also, aside from the vampire situation, which again, I'm going to get back to that in a second, there have been rumors circulating about a feud between Olivia and Taylor Swift for quite some time because Olivia has, at the beginning of her career, talked very openly about her love for Taylor Swift and how much she inspired her, etc. Taylor Swift sent her one of these like rings that she sends to like important people in her life. And Olivia posted about that freaking out. There's like photos of them hanging out a couple times. Then all of a sudden there's no more Olivia and Taylor hanging out, specifically after everybody acknowledged the similarities between Cruel Summer and Deja Vu. And so then people are like, oh no, the girlies are fighting. And they kind of like created this feud between Taylor Swift, a 32-year-old woman and a 19-year-old child feels very unhinged because, like, <laughs> as a 31-year-old adult, I can't imagine... Having just beef being... with a teenager? <laughs> yeah. Especially, like, about them being so inspired by me that they, like, made a song that sounds similar to my music. I would be touched. Yeah. But I was talking to a friend recently about this and we were having like a discussion about it. We're both kind of in the same boat of like, why why would an adult woman be feuding with a child? Okay, like, no, I I feel like I'm being offensive to Olivia Rodrigo. Like, I just think like, yeah, a young woman, like a young girl, you know, like she's so young and just starting out in her career. And I feel like (laughs) Taylor Swift could be just like, you know, guiding her instead of having issues with her. She was guiding her by showing her how <laughs> how copyrights work. But it's like, I don't think the song sounds similar. And obviously it does if like they gave the music, but also maybe Olivia did like gave the writing credit or whatever. But like, I think the conversation I was having with my friend was that obviously Taylor Swift is very particular about her ownership of her music and her ownership of her creativity and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which, like, is completely valid. But she also seems like the type of person where she's like, if you don't talk to me about something, you are now my enemy. And I hate you. And so she seems like the type of person who would have taken it personally 
that she listened to the song by Olivia and was like, that sounds like my song. And Olivia's like, oh, maybe it does because you really inspire me. But like, maybe it was, I don't know if it was on purpose. And Taylor's like, no, obviously it was on purpose because people steal my music all the time. Yeah. Like, I'll, like this is again, just me speculating. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't think this conversation actually happened, but like Taylor just gives the vibes of like, you could have just called me first. And the fact that the phone call didn't happen, I'm assuming Taylor's like, you came for me and my empire and I must take you down. (laughs) Yeah, obviously we don't have all the details. The way the whole thing played out was very like weird because it was like the album was out for a while. Then fans were like, wait, this sounds similar. And then they gave the, I'm just like, how did nobody on Olivia's like legal team, writing team, marketing team, management team, like think of this as a thing that's happening? I'm like, if fans hadn't have drawn the parallel, would this have even happened? I don't think so. And that's what's crazy. I thought that one step forward, two steps back, she had said that she, like that there was already a writing credit for Taylor and Jack, but I might be confusing things. Because this was like such a long time ago. But the misery business thing 100% was because of the internet. Because I don't hear it personally, like the closeness enough. But I think that enough people made the case for it that like, therefore, Josh Farrow had a case. And so I think maybe the same thing could have happened with Cruel Summer. So in Laura Snape's interview with Olivia about this, Olivia said it was disappointing to see people take things out of context and discredit any young woman's work. Laura asks, did the potential for similar scrutiny make her second guest songwriting guts? And Olivia went vague and she said, I was so green as to how the music industry works, the litigious side. I feel like I now know so much more about the industry. I just feel better equipped in that regard. And it wasn't something I thought too much about. But I'm just like, how did her team not... Like, I don't know. I guess, like, her team didn't... Her team obviously didn't anticipate that this was going to happen. Otherwise, they would have done stuff in advance. I just think it's wild that nobody, like, prepared her for this. But also, I think it's something that, like, she just did not even think was going to happen. So... But also, like, interpolations are completely legal and are not something that you, like, have to credit people for. That's why they're... I don't think that they're calling this interpolation. That's why... That's why they're... I guess I was using the term interpolation because that's what the people that I trusted on the internet were saying it was. And now, like, these are, you know, whatever. Like, the artist had a big enough claim to say that it wasn't that. But I also just think it's interesting because it harkens back and is, like, bringing up the memories of Right Said Fred who's saying, I'm too sexy, and Taylor Swift with Look What You Made Me Do. And her... Wasn't that a sample, though? Yeah, but she didn't credit them and they like did interviews about it. There was no credit to them and then they got money for the song. But in this regard and how I keep saying like, oh, fans were making this conspiracy about Vampire being about Taylor Swift and this feud that they've created that like we don't think is real. Laura writes in this article, some fans are convinced that Vampire, specifically the yelled bloodsucker, fame fucker, bleeding me dry like a goddamn vampire is about Swift, especially given that signs of their budding friendship vanished after the credits issue. Laura also writes, Swift recently invited Sabrina Carpenter, the rumored other party in the driver's license heartbreak, to support her Eras tour. And so, like, this is obviously, like, a conversation where, like, she mentions this to Olivia, and then Olivia goes, how do I answer this? I mean, I never want to say who any of my songs are about. I've never done that before in my career and probably won't. 
I think it's better to not pigeonhole a song to being about this one thing. Then Laura writes, she laughs nervously. She often laughs nervously. And then Olivia says, I was very surprised when people thought that. And I just think that this is the craziest response in the whole world. And I'm not, again, as I already said, I don't believe that this feud exists. I don't believe that this song is about Taylor Swift. Now I do. (laughs) I mean, you don't think this is just a PR trained answer? I think that a PR trained answer would be, of course, I'm not feuding with Taylor Swift. I feel like she's just anxious about mentioning anyone at all. So she'd rather just refrain from saying anything. Yes, but I feel like it fuels the fire to my brain because it's like I'm never going to tell anybody what songs are about. So it's not confirming or denying. And I feel like leaving it ambiguous is going to create a larger conspiracy theory because like these fans are like that Charlie Day meme from It's Always Sunny where he has his yarn board. I mean, it's possible that like there were elements of it that had like a double innuendo, basically like had double meaning. I mean, because it could also be about Josh Farrow. It could be about, like, you know, as Jenna said, double meanings. The song could be about the 20-something-year-old that she was dating. But that feeling of, like, being blood dry, people wanting to have fame, you know, that also could, in some part, have come from a place of frustration of these people that she looks up to coming after her for her money and her success. So it it could partially be about that because maybe there's a part of her that knows that there is a part that it might be a little bit. Maybe that's why she gave that answer. I mean, so she was like, like we said, she's like barely an adult. She's like at the the light end of her teenage years. I think obviously not expecting to blow up overnight in the way that she did. And she also like had a quote about it in this article of like she'd been doing a lot of stuff like all her life to kind of like prepare for this moment. And then finally, like when she did blow up, like I think there's only so much you can do to prepare for it. There's going to be things like this that happen that you have no way of knowing how they're going to play out. And it's like life, life lessons, career lessons. So I feel like for someone who was young who like spoke so openly and passionately about being a fangirl on record. I think historically that just doesn't go well. And I don't mean this to be mean to Olivia at all. I'm just trying to think of like other examples of like artists who are really big fans of people generally don't talk about it. Or if they do, they talk about it in a very like far away reserved kind of angle. Yeah. So I, I think that was also one of the hard lessons that she had to learn is that in this industry, you're not really respected if you're a fangirl. And I feel like as far as the conspiracy goes, like I don't really have a car- like a horse in this race of like whether <laughs> or not they are in a feud. Like I think it's very possible that they could have just like not recently seen each other. It's possible that it could have hurt Olivia's feelings. She could have felt embarrassed. She honestly could have felt embarrassed yeah. about it. But that doesn't mean that like they're not in contact. Like it could just be that like they have a private friendship. Like lots of celebrities like are friends with each other and like we only find out about it when they go on a like the Greg James radio show. I I mean, also, it's just like Taylor's like 13, 14 years older than Olivia. Yeah, and like yeah. just because. So it's not Sabrina's like they're going to be besties, with, like tweeting yeah. about it every single day. Yeah, and yeah. just because Sabrina's on tour with Taylor doesn't mean that they're friends. Like, that's not really how touring. And it doesn't mean works. that it's like an anti Olivia thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. So I think that people. So this are... conspiracy <laughs> is not being a girl's girl, really. True factual obviously i was like joking before when i'm like oh now i believe it because of the way she said it but i think that like the idea that maybe she was feeling a lot of feelings while writing this song and maybe these 
tidbits of like Josh Farrow and Taylor Swift claiming writing credits on her music when she's like, but I did this myself. Like, I know. I think she probably feels hurt and embarrassed about it, to be honest. Yeah. Which makes like, can you imagine sense. if you wrote a song and then you're like, oh my God, these people inspired me so much. And like, you're having your moment and suddenly they're like, okay, but now give me what's mine. Yeah. Like, it's like, I would oh, feel I awful you? as a person. Me- it's like, oh, I inspired you. Give yeah. me your allowance. <laughs> like, give me yeah. your lunch money, you stupid girl. Like, that's so mean. <laughs> I get it from a business standpoint. Because that, like, that's the hill like apparently I'm dying on lately. I'm like, oh, business. It's just the music industry. It's not that whatever. Like, I fucking hate myself. <laughs> but like, it's still, it's still, it feels hurtful and it's like the same thing in regards to like when we talked about taylor and her masters emotionally i understand it i also understand the music business side of it i get it but it's also like these are real people with feelings so it's complicated speaking of complicated (laughs) i was literally just about to say that you took the words right out of my mouth so i think that we're like our brains are one at this point (laughs) we've just combined thoughts but we have some news that happened today day of recording which is sunday september 3rd which is that joe jonas and sophie turner are apparently going to be getting divorced which i think is the saddest thing for bisexuals everywhere So at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, TMZ broke that sources with direct knowledge told them that Joe had his people contact and consult with at least two L.A. area divorce lawyers, and he is on the cusp of filing divorce docs to end his marriage to Sophie. TMZ's source said that the couple has had serious problems for at least six months. TMZ were also told that over the last three months, Joe has been caring for their two children, quote, pretty much all of the time, and that he currently has both of the kids on the road with him for the tour. So... This is interesting, and I have a lot of thoughts about this specific article. So some other facts, some other information is like to most people, there have been no outward signs of like issues between the two. Like Sophie was seen at their Yankee Stadium, like their Bronx, New York City tour dates at the start of tour. She was seen being very supportive. They've been together on red carpets recently. They have posted about each other for their birthdays. Everything from the outside looked like everything was okay. But in the last month, they sold their Miami mansion, which they only bought a year ago, which is usually when fans start to speculate. But there wasn't really that much speculation. And apparently over the past few weeks, like Joe had been seen not wearing his ring in paparazzi photos and on tour. There was an update to this TMZ article at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with a paparazzi photo of him not wearing his ring in New York City a couple of weeks ago. And they wrote, regardless of whether he rocks the ring or doesn't, our sources are for- are firm on this much. Their marriage is circling the drain and on its way to family court in due time. Because the Jonas Brothers had also posted an Instagram like today or yesterday where Joe had his ring on. Interesting. But the big sentence that like really stuck out to me and I already was like having inklings of like oh the source is obviously from Joe's camp but they wrote professionally Joe and Sophie have been busy mostly JJ though and I feel like again this is one of those things where I've talked before about like oh page six has like a source within Scooter's camp like Scooter Braun is friendly with Harvey who runs TMZ so like they also get exclusives on things to do with Scooter Braun This kind of comment where, like, they're very clearly Team Joe in this article makes it seem like 
the source is somebody close to Joe. Right. And they're kind of making it seem like Sophie is like an absentee mother, that she's not caring, that she's taking a step away, whatever. Sophie Turner is actually been in the UK filming a television show. And so obviously, like, we don't know the inner workings of their marriage, but the Jonas Brothers' dad is their manager. I'm assuming he's on the road with them. Priyanka's been traveling with the band. Danielle and the kids have also been traveling with the band. So, like, if the whole family is there, there seems to be, yeah, like... Yeah, it's not a, that unhinged. Yeah, there seems to be to a system kids. in place that, like, the kids yeah. being on the road with them would make sense. They are quite young. It's not like they have school to be going to. So I feel like it makes a lot of sense. And also, again, it's like women in Hollywood, in music and TV, etc., have for for decades had to take their kids and like have the kids with a nanny in their trailer and like always have the kids with them. And it's like the dad is also the dad. There's two parents and a dad having the kids isn't salacious like it shouldn't be viewed as salacious. And I feel like they're making it sound salacious. But some other context as well is like. Sophie Turner is 27. Joe Jonas is 34. It's not a crazy age difference. It's like seven years. But they did start dating when she was 20 and he was 27, which feels like a crazy age difference. So she's been with him her whole 20s. They got engaged like very quickly into their relationship. They had a pretty long engagement of like two-ish years. Most of us remember the like very silly, goofy Las Vegas wedding that Diplo live streamed. Wait, stop. I love that you know. I know nothing. I love that you know all of this. I know absolutely nothing about them. Yeah. And she like had like a ring pop, like wedding ring for this wedding. <laughs> Diplo and, like, li- I thought you were going to say that Diplo DJ, that Diplo live streamed. No, he live streamed it and then like thought he was in trouble afterwards because he's like, I think they literally got married like oh after God. like, I think it was the Billboard Music Awards, like one of, or like the oh VMAs, like one of They're those like, things. like, all our friends are here. Yeah. They just like ran off and got married. And she did an interview, I think with Vogue or Elle, like afterwards where she said that they had only broken up one time during their relationship and it was literally like the day before they had that las vegas wedding and there's been like speculation and there's been some tiktoks that i will link to where some people have been talking about the fact that in the two years that sophie and joe were engaged nick jonas met started dating got engaged to and married priyanka chopra in like one year and how that could obviously put like a lot of pressure on a relationship, especially like in a family like the Jonases, where obviously, like, as we all know, they grew up pretty religious. Marriage is like a big thing. They're East Coast Italians. They're, they're East Coast Italians. <laughs> <laughs> Which of you know, you know. <laughs> so Sophie's basically really only been with Joe. And they got married in 2019. They had their first kid like a year later and then another kid like a two years after that. So she had like her first kid at like 23, her second kid at like 24 or 25. And now she's 27. And she also has spoken openly about how she's struggled a lot with her mental health. She struggled with an eating disorder. They literally had like a live-in therapist with them during COVID because her mental health was struggling so much. She's talked openly about her dislike for LA and how she wants to live in England and Joe doesn't want to do that. So I feel like people who pay attention knew that there were some issues. I posted about their alleged divorce on our Instagram stories and a lot of you slid in our DMs. Jenna was shook about how many of you deeply cared yeah, about, cared this. about <laughs> this. 
<laughs> because I literally like when I say I know nothing like I do not I did not even know like I've heard Sarah say Sophie Turner's name before I have like no idea what she why she's relevant like, <laughs> and I'm like Jenna Game of Thrones she's also done other acting like she's very talented I mean like a lot of people obviously like are like oh I'm not gonna believe it till people has a source and that and so at 1 49 p.m so like hours after tmz people finally got their own confirmation nicholas rice is the one who got his source to confirm and they wrote joe jonas has retained a divorce lawyer after four years of marriage to sophie turner a source tells people but the most interesting thing about this people article is that they reached out to representatives and representatives for joe did not immediately respond to people's request for comment but a representative for sophie declined to comment so that means that they are having they're prepping a statement like the decline to comment statement, I think, is a bigger. Oh, my God, this is real than anything else that we read again. Like most of this big relationship breakup breaking news that's been coming out over the past month has all been proven to be true. It's just really interesting. And I was going to be really interesting to see like how this is positioned and like how they announce it, etc. Because the decline to comment statement feels very loaded in regards to like her team prepping to announce this divorce. I love that everyone is collectively like very obsessed and invested in this because I didn't know anyone cared. So yes, it's a learning experience for me. Well, I think that Joe Jonas is kind of a Logan Lerman. I think he's kind of like a white boy of the month that became the white boy of the year decade century for a lot Mm. of people online because he is very famous but feels very accessible and so i think that like during his time when he was doing dnce i think that he really got a fan base and so i feel like a lot of people like that and they like kind of clung on to their marriage because a lot of people thought it was like really fun about their whole like las vegas speed wedding whatever and so it's been interesting also seeing people's responses to that because there were a couple tiktoks again i will link to these in the show notes where people were kind of discussing the unseriousness of their first official wedding because they did later on have like a real big fancy wedding in france about people talking about other celebrity relationships where they did kind of like a goofy wedding or did like a ring pop engagement which apparently has been done before but my pop culture brain is not pulling up any receipts on that but people were saying this on tiktok and yeah so i just think this is interesting i think we we talked about this a little bit when harry and olivia wilde broke up and that like when news drops on like a friday night or a holiday weekend or just on a weekend it's because they're trying to bury the story and Uh. they're hoping that it doesn't build up as much traction so that way their teams have time to you know put out official statements, figure out how they're going to handle this, et cetera, et cetera, trying to figure out, like, are we positioning somebody as a villain? Is this going to be, like, an amicable breakup? Like, are they going to be fighting in public? Like, what's going to be going on here? And I think that this TMZ story is making it look like it's already giving they're trying to make Sophie the villain, which I don't really like, especially when, like, she's been so open about struggling with her mental health. It doesn't feel great that it's giving that this source who is clearly close to Joe is trying to make Sophie seem like an absentee mother. I'm not enjoying that. My personal opinion that has absolutely no weight in anything is that like, 
if you're 27 one day you might wake up and be like what the fuck i have two kids i have not lived i've not lived a life it's a little bit interesting because i think to everybody they were very much giving couple goals and i think to most pop culture people there's always been the oh if anybody in the jonas family is going to get divorced it's going to be nick and priyanka because she's a lot older than him the relationship felt very confusing but based off of everything uh, i've ever heard about their relationship it seems like they're very into each other and a kind of perfect match i just think it's interesting that we've had several episodes recently where we've been talking about sources from different publications and i personally have been learning a lot in that regard yeah it's really interesting and it's also been kind of cool seeing people on tiktok starting to learn and realize this stuff because i feel like i've had a lot of personal qualms with pop culture commentators on tiktok acting like they know everything and they don't and now they're starting to like actually listen to people who do know stuff and they're using that in their reporting and discussing on things and i feel like it's all around educating people more about like how pop culture news works there has been more discourse about like how much water can a blind item hold and how we talk a lot about how a lot of them aren't factual, but the ones that are come from very trusted sources. And there's this live journal site called Oh No They Didn't, which has been around forever. And they post blind items and they post celebrity news, etc. And there was apparently a day or two before this news broke an article on Oh No They Didn't or a post on Oh No They Didn't where somebody was like, fans have been speculating about the fact that Joe's not been seen wearing his engagement ring. And then there were like some live photos of Joe and they're like, do we think that there's trouble in paradise? They did just recently sell their home, which feels crazy since they bought it a year ago. And then the poster edited the post like a couple hours later because either Sophie or one of Sophie's friends posted a photo of Sophie where she was very visibly not wearing her ring. And they were like, see, Sophie's also not wearing her ring. So in that kind of situation, I think that it was somebody on someone's team breadcrumbing the news so that fans didn't have an immediate mental breakdown because the interesting thing was was that i hadn't seen anybody talking about this at all and then yesterday on tiktok i saw a couple videos of people being like there was a blind item about joe jonas not wearing his engagement ring do we think that there's trouble in paradise i was like where the hell is this coming from clearly it was coming from somewhere interesting I want to have like a really deep conversation about blind items at some point. Maybe try and get Troy McGeady back on the podcast to talk about it because I don't know if you Absolutely. guys love blind items, but he has—he's the, expert. Has, he's the expert. True expert. He has a great podcast about like old school blind items called Beyond the Blinds. So if you want to learn more about that, definitely check that out. But yeah, so this week was genuinely crazy. As Jenna already said, we—it was a week full of very niche to us pop culture news which i'm very grateful for so we had something to talk about but boy was i not expecting having this much to talk about this morning when i woke up i was like we're gonna have to talk about olivia rodrigo for an hour (laughs) and then joe jonas was like you thought nothing like a nothing like a long weekend in the u.s to give you some juicy pop culture news that the publicists are trying to bury literally though i'm just like these guys are going crazy they were like oh man next time it's a long weekend we should be like guys look out what's gonna happen this weekend <laughs> i Pay know attention. we should we should start prepping on our instagram stories yeah. of like what do we think for what's gonna happen <laughs> literally 
though. So I'm sure you guys have a lot of thoughts and feelings. As I already said, we've been in the DMs with a lot of y'all already about Joe and Sophie. So I'm sure that in the week to come, this is going to be the week's news cycle. I'm feeling it deep in my soul. We're going to be getting so much Joe and Sophie news on TMZ and Page Six and People in the following days. So it's going to be interesting. I feel a little bit bad that we had to record this on a Sunday instead of a Monday because I feel like tomorrow there's going to be so many updates. We will see. We'll see. We'll be in the DMs discussing and you can hit us up on social to talk about this more. We're at Name3Songs on all social media platforms. If you have any personal beef or love or problems you would like to come to us with, you can also hit us up. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan on all platforms and Jenna is at Jenna underscore million. So thanks so much for joining us this week on Name3Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Olivia Rodrigo. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.